great to, to be here today and to feel the presence of Holy Spirit in the house. I'm uh, expecting more. Uh, my message today is expect more. Okay, so could you say right now, Christ in me is the hope of glory? Uh, could you look at your neighbor and you say, hey, Christ in you is the hope of glory? Okay. Now, Christ is the is Holy Spirit residing in us. Amazing. We are the dwelling place of God in the earth. Not because we were qualified, but because the love of God qualified us. God sent His Son, Jesus, because the Father always saw us as His children. And our disconnection from Him caused us to be confused in who our Father was. We labeled Him as God. We labeled him as God who's a taker, but he's actually Father who happens to do God things, who's always a giver. He doesn't need anything from us. He gives life, he gives breath, and he gives all things. And he made a way to be with us more than just every now and then. He made a way for us to be the dwelling place of his Spirit. Holy Spirit is here today, and he's in us. He's with us, He's even upon us, and He's God. The Holy Spirit is not a power, He's a person. A significant word for 2024 is the word prevail. Heard that very clear at the end of last year, that 2024 was going to be a year of prevailing, to prevail. And then God kind of gave me a, a definition of that. Sometimes we think of the prevailing winds. The prevailing winds take us in a particular direction, like weather patterns are determined by what's the prevailing winds, what's the prevailing circumstance, what's the prevailing situation. And I heard God say that the prevailing winds of the past, the prevailing things of the past are going to be overcome by the prevailing winds of God's purpose and will in the present. And I hear God saying this morning, Watch and see, be awake and expect it, because I'm moving by my spirit in the generations. And even in America, I'm waking up the young. Just as you put shoes on the feet of children, I'm going to put my grace and my mantle upon the heads of children. And you're going to see in America, the young and the youth wake up. There's a fresh move of my spirit. And I'm even going to cause you to be young in your heart like never before. I'm going to cause you to see things you couldn't see before because I'm turning your heads to be in the direction of my head. And I'm turning that by I'm turning your heart to see what's in my heart. And so this is a year of unexpected glory, unexpected glory, unexpected glory. Christ in me is the hope of glory. Christ in you is the hope of glory. God has put us together to be a greater dwelling place than just by ourselves. Together we are the fullness of Him that fills all in all. Now here we are in Deming. We're one little place, uh, but there's lots of places. I was just in Africa. God is doing amazing things in Angola. Uh, we planted, I think, three new churches or four new churches last year. Uh, we just ordained another six pastors in October last year. And uh, God is doing wonderful, wonderful things in a place that should be disaster. Eight and a half million people in the space for 650,000, and God is moving. Amen? Um, this is a season where you're going to see new pathways. New pathways will be revealed through open doors. So here is the thought. God is opening doors for you as an uh, effective ministry as an effective arm of the love of God. And as God opens doors, you're going to recognize the doors that are God because they are always surrounded and covered by the testimony of love. So the open pathways before you, you know this is the path. Why? It's filled with love. It's filled with life. So choose the path of life. Any path in front of you this year that doesn't look like life, it's not the path. So choose the pathway of life. And I also hear God saying that this year there's going to be clear focus. Now You will see what God sees when you look in the direction that God is looking. You'll see what God sees when you look in the direction that God is looking. 
when you don't see what what you're looking at doesn't look like God, it means you're looking in the wrong direction. You will see what God sees when you look in the direction that God looks. Now, that's not necessarily a geographical or a physical shift. It's a looking differently at what you're looking at. Do you see the hope of the glory of God, or do you see the strength of an enemy? There is no enemy that is stronger than God. I think I've told you before, I'll never be anti-anything. Help me, Jesus, that I'm not anti-anything. I'm not even anti-antichrist. I'm Christ. I'm not anti-darkness. I'm light. I'm not anti-sickness. I'm healing. I'm not anti-hopelessness. I'm hope. And the same confession is true for you. In the first century, at the birthing of the church, the Antichrist and an Antichrist rose up to destroy Christ. And Christ could not be destroyed. So you can thank your mom, the church, that you were birthed in a great tribulation. You were birthed in a great persecution. You were birthed in an opposition, and the opposition could not destroy the church. So that means in every generation, in every season, in every time, no opposition can destroy Christ. And you are the body of Christ. We're going to turn to Matthew chapter 25. This is a great chapter. It's after Matthew 24. I have to tell you that Matthew 24 had an absolute physical fulfillment in the first century. Jesus said all these things will happen in this generation. And just a little clarity for Matthew 24. In Matthew 24, 3, the disciples didn't say, what will be the sign of the end of the world? They didn't ask that question. Jesus had just said that the temple and all of the old covenant system would be destroyed. He had pronounced the old way of law. He had said that that altar was now desolate. And he said, now the body of Christ, he was making a way for us to be the body of Christ. And he said that the old temple would be destroyed. And the disciples were trying to show him the glory of the old temple. And he said, not one stone of this will be left. And then they said, well, what will be the sign of the coming of your kingdom and the end of the age. They didn't say what will be the end of the world. So if you've been focusing on Matthew 24, it being the end of the world, you need to read your Bible again, because it wasn't the end of the world. It was an end of of an age. I'm so glad that the eternal life of Christ outlasts every age of man. You see, my last day was 51 years ago. And that's good news for me, because this is my 69th year of passage, and it gives me great hope because I've been living in the day of the Lord for a while now. And I'm going to be living in the day of the Lord for eternity. <laughs> it's a day that never ends. It's a day that constantly has victory, constantly gives life. So Matthew 24 had a fulfillment. And in Matthew 24, he, he even says, he says, Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. What's the sign of the Son of Man in heaven? The removal on earth of what was not him is the sign that he's in heaven. The removal of the temporary temple is proof that there's a high priest of an eternal temple. It isn't the sign in heaven. The sign is the sign will appear of the Son of Man in heaven. He said the old system would be destroyed. So what would be the sign that he's in heaven? The old system would be destroyed. In your life, here's the sign that the Son of Man is in your life. The sign that Jesus is Lord of your life is the removal of everything in your life that's not life. What's the sign that Jesus is Lord of your life? The removal of every other false Lord in your life. What's the sign that the Son of Man is in heaven, in your heart? The removal of everything that's not Him. From glory to glory, he is changing you. Is this true? From glory to glory, he's changing you. From glory to glory, he's changing me. From life to greater life, he's changing me. Expect more. From glory to glory, he's changing me. From glory to glory, he's changing you. I didn't say it. Paul said it. Jesus prophesied it. 
He said the kingdom of God is like leaven. It goes into three measures of meal and it fills the whole loaf. He said the kingdom of God is like a tiny little mustard seed. You bury it in the ground, it becomes like a tree. Birds of the air nest in it. God has always said that the kingdom of God is greater than all the kingdoms of this earth. Now, I'm speaking to you as City Life Church in Deming. God's very pleased with what's going on here. Um, I sense his favor here today, uh, and his favor is increasing. His favor is on you. His favor is not on you as mere people. His favor is on you as a body, the body of Christ. His favor is on you as members of that body. His favor is on you as a dwelling place of Holy Spirit. That's where his favor is. Strength of the flesh, that's not where his favor is. But strength of the Spirit, that's where his favor is. In Matthew 25, we have a story in the first 10 verses. It says, The kingdom of heaven was likened unto ten virgins who took their lamps. They went out to meet the bridegroom. Uh, they didn't wait for him to come. They went out to meet him. They went out to be joined to the bridegroom. Now, five of them were wise and five were foolish. And those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. They were kind of independent in their doing. We don't need any extra oil. It would be like me saying, you know, I'm good. I don't need you. You know, you are the extra oil that I need. Christ in you is not only the hope of your glory, it's the hope of our glory. I need you to be filled with oil. And I need to be joined with you. I need to be filled with oil. But I'm going to trim my wick and I'm going to let my fire burn. But I need you also to be filled with oil so that I can join with you so that my lamp doesn't go out. I did my six-mile run this morning, which I typically do almost every day. I'm grateful that it was uh, in the upper 20s today because I ran in Africa. It was in the 80s when I ran in the morning, quite humid. And so uh, I perspired quite a bit in Africa. Believe it or not, I did perspire a little bit this morning, even though it was cool. Six miles made me perspire a touch in my warm, dressed gear. But um, uh, what was I saying in this? Oh, I pray. When I pray, I pray a prayer for my family. I pray a prayer for you. Uh, when people come to my heart, I pray about the lamps. Uh, I pray for my children. I, I pray prayers like this. I say, Father, let my son Aaron know the fire of being loved by you today. Let him know your love. Father, I pray that the fire of being loved by you would come here to Deming Christ's life. Every member, every child, every man, every woman, every young, every old. I pray that they would first and foremost just know the fire of your love. Would you light their lamp? Would you let them know that they are loved by you? And then would you give them the fire of loving you? God, I remember 51 years ago, you lit my flame. Would you light my fire again? Would you light the fire of our hearts to love you? Give us the fire to love you. I pray for my children. Give them the fire to love you, my grandchildren. Give them the fire to love you. Give them the fire of responding to you that gives them a heavenly testimony inside and out, including mystery things like foolish tongues, foolish expressions. You know, I need some new tongues because the old tongues get me in trouble a lot. I need more words I don't understand than words I do. I mean, seriously. Words I understand often get me in trouble. Uh, I cannot express how important a little foolishness with God is. <laughs> Unless you humble yourself and become like a little child, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Little children are not humble, but adults are too proud, so they have to humble themselves and become foolish like little children again. I mean, parents, you got any humble children? Anybody have any humble children? <laughs> I mean, even babies, are they humble? I mean, you got a new one there. Is he little? Not humble, right? No. You know, they, they know how to communicate. Uh, and they're not afraid to communicate. And it doesn't matter what time of night it is. <laughs> and, uh, and you know what? Little children are amazing because they, they don't even speak languages that we understand. But they maneuver dads and moms. My goodness, I tell you. And grandpas and grandmas. 
Uh, and even brothers and sisters. I mean, my daughter, my third child, she didn't hardly talk until she was over a year old. You know why? She didn't need to talk. She had two brothers. And her brothers knew what she was going to say before she said it. So she didn't need to talk. Her brothers always knew. I mean, we would say, well, what's she saying? And brothers would say, well, she wants this. And we said, well, give her a chance. She's got to figure out how to talk, you know. But she did all right. She finally started talking. She'd been talking ever since. So the fire of responding to God, it gives us a heavenly testimony inside and out. Give us the fire of giving life to others. You know what that's called? That's called authority. Authority never takes. Authority always gives. This bottle has the authority of water, not because it's a bottle, but because it willingly received water somehow. Wow, I like the fact that that bottle can give life to me. So I pray that you know the fire of giving life to others. And then there's one. Father, I pray for my sons, my daughters. I pray for us here at City Life that we'll know the fire of being life for others. That we'll grow in knowing who we are in you. Who are we in Christ? What measure of Christ are we? What testimony are we that contributes to the table? Who do you say we are? Not according to the flesh, but who are we in the fellowship of Christ? And then I pray that you would give us the fire of community. Uh, let us give us the fire of being dads and moms and sons and daughters and brothers and sisters. Give us the fire of loving you as the father of the family and loving the family more than we love the things of the world. And then finally, give us the fire of purpose and destiny. Let us know partnership with you and you with us and everything so that your kingdom will come and your will will be done on earth exactly as it is in heaven today. 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 Yeah. So those fires are the lamps. These ten versions, they needed this fire in their lamps to be joined to the bridegroom who always has and is that fire. Jesus is the Christ. And he made a way for us to be the body of Christ. So the fire that is in him is the fire that is in us. And that's actually not only what's in us, that's what clothes us. In the story, at midnight, the cry went out, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out and meet him. Then those virgins rose and trimmed their wicks. They caused their flame to go. You need your fire to burn. You need to trim your wicks this year. In damning New Mexico, let your flame. Pastor saying, I felt prompted to just say, this is what we're doing. He felt prompted to say to the city, this is what we're doing. He's never done that before. He's been quiet. We serve things. We do it discreetly. But he felt promptly to say, this is what we're doing. You know what? God wants you to shine your light. Don't hide your light under a basket. Don't be proud with your light, but show Jesus off. Be the light of Christ. Don't be the light of self, but be the light of Christ. Be the, don't be ashamed to make Jesus famous in the city of Deming. Don't be ashamed to say the body of Christ is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful place. The light of Christ is shining. The love of God has shone in our hearts, and we're shining for this city to see the light of Christ. We're not trying to be something important from it. We're blessed. We're loved. We're trying to share the love of Christ. So these virgins, they trimmed their wicks, and the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, because our lamps are going out. Hmm. But the wise answered said, no, lest we should not have enough for ourselves, so go sell and buy some for yourself. So they went out, and while they were going out to, to buy some oil, the bridegroom came, and the door was shut. So in this story, I, I want you to understand that the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. And, and rather, and, and to get oil in your lamps, you got to pay the price. You see, the ones who had oil, uh, they had already paid the price. Uh, they didn't have free oil. Uh, my friend Andrew Shearman says, Jesus is free, but Christ will cost you everything.
Uh, grace is absolutely free, but Jesus, it'll cost you everything to find it. Mercy is available to everybody. I, I love this scripture. I've been writing it in my blogs. You'll see it more. But Hebrews chapter 9, verses uh, 25 on down through 28 or so, it's describing our eternal high priest, Jesus, how he's not like the priests of the past who made sacrifices for sin every year, blood was shed, blood was shed, blood was shed. But this Jesus, he was the lamb slain once for us all, and he went and rose into heaven, went into the glory presence of God as the sacrifice, with the blood of that sacrifice for us as an eternal high priest. So he's not like the priest in the past who went into the Holy of Holies and then came back out. He went into the Holy of Holies and then he says, come on in. I'm going to say it again. He went into the Holy of Holies and then he says, come on in. Hebrews chapter 10 explains what the Holy of Holies is. The Holy of Holies is the body of Christ. He said the veil that was torn was his flesh. So the body of Christ, Jesus, he was a human being, a dwelling place of Holy Spirit, who went around being an expression of the Father. So much, at the end of his life, he said to his disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So he was the habitation of the Father because he was the dwelling place of the Spirit. He was a spacious place of God in the earth. At the worst time in history, I mean, you think, it, it, you know, we, we got it bad in America because we, we suspiciously think that, that elections might be rigged. But when Jesus came, there was no suspicion that elections were rigged. There just weren't any elections. <laughs> there were only dictatorships, and they called themselves Caesars, which is the name called God. And it was as bad as it can get in the world. And Jesus didn't come to merely fix the political atmosphere. He came to fix the heart. He came to change the mind. Uh, and world was plenty messed up when Jesus was here. And Jesus didn't tell you what was good or what was bad or what you should or what you shouldn't. He just said, receive me. And when you receive his presence in your life, his presence in your life shows you what's good. It's not from knowledge that you know good and evil. It's from reason of use that you discover what is life and what isn't. And God is simple to understand. He gives life. Anything that doesn't give life is not God. In previous times, I've told you what the voice of God sounds like. It's God is great. God is good. And his mercy endures forever. That's the sound of God. God is great. On your worst day, what does God sound like? God is great. Yeah, God is good. His mercy endures forever. On the day when you're, you're the most stupid, you made the biggest mistake, what does God sound like? Huh? God's great. God's good. His mercy endures forever. Your smartest day. Glowed in the dark today. You did well. What does God sound like? Hmm. God's great. God's good. His mercy endures forever. His song never changes. His sound never changes. He's so unshakable. Stuff that says it refuses to shake trembles in his presence. Pride shakes. Confusion shakes. Stubbornness shakes. Opposition shakes. Devil shakes. <laughs> Everything shakes in the presence of the unshakable love of God. And Jesus said he came so that you could be a part of him. The veil that was torn was not the veil in the earthly temple, although that tore. 
The veil that was torn, according to Hebrews 10, was his body, his flesh. So it's like this. His body was broken so that you could come on in. His body was broken so that you could come in. That's the holy of holies. We are in a room, but in this room is something that makes these walls rejoice. In this room is something that makes this desert be glad. In this room, in this space, is something that's greater than this space. It's the Holy of Holies. The body of Christ is here. I'm looking at the dwelling place of God. I'm looking at the dwelling place of God. I'm looking at the city. I'm looking at the city whose builder and maker is God. Its gates are pearls. It's filled with stories. Stories, stories, stories of the Father's love. And you can get into this holy of holy place. In Hebrews 9, it says that Jesus made it possible because he's the eternal high priest. And then it says amazing things. Listen to this. It says in Hebrews 9, he came first. Let me just, just read the verse for a moment. Just because this verse is just so resonant in me in this season. Verse 26, he says, He came once at the end of the ages. He came once at the end of the ages, at the end of time, end of times. The Portuguese language says he came once at the end of the centuries. They use the word century sometimes in their translation. Uh, at the end of the ages. He came once at the end of Ted's age. He came once at the end of Caesar's age. He ended my age. That's why I keep looking younger. Every year you see me, I'm younger because he ended my age. <laughs> 51 years ago, he ended my age. I'm in good shape. I got good news. He has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. What is sin? It's a disconnection. A disconnection from life. He put away disconnection from life. See, sin is not the wicked things you do only. You end up doing stupid things because you're disconnected. You end up doing wicked things because you're disconnected from holiness. Holiness is not some religious thing. It's relational, love, life. He came to put an end to disconnection, to sin. He came to put an end to looking for love in all the wrong places. He came to put an end. And then he explains that. He says, as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. So Christ offered once, was offered once to bear the sins of many. So he came the first time to put an end to sin because it's appointed for all men to die once. It's appointed for me to die, appointed for you to die. Wow, I'm so glad I got that over with. 2 Corinthians 5 says, He died once, therefore all died, and we judge no one according to the flesh anymore. Not even Jesus. We don't judge Jesus according to the flesh anymore. We judge no one according to the flesh because we reckon this, that he died once, we all died. Oh, good. He died once. So he came the first time. The cross was my cross. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was the cross. And the tree of life, the tree of eternal life, got on that tree. And that tree couldn't swallow him up. You drove nails through the tree of life into the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You drove nails through the tree of grace into the tree of law. And the tree of law could not destroy the tree of grace. <laughs> and he did that so that you and I could have our last day. Could end our age. Now, after this, the judgment. You know what his judgment is? Mercy. 
eternal life for all who believe. Hebrews describes it as eternal judgment, not eternal judgments. God's eternal judgment is mercy, eternal life for all who believe. If you're in this room or you're listening online and you haven't received that judgment, I got really good news for you. Jesus came and took your death to give you his judgment. Mercy, eternal life for all who believe. Okay, but then it says, he comes to those who eagerly wait for him. He will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. I'm going to propose to you that that's not just an event in the future. I'm going to propose to you that the disciples, he came to them again 10 days after he ascended into glory. He came as he said he would. He came as a life-giving spirit into their lives as Holy Spirit to confirm that they were the dwelling place of God, the body of Christ. In John 14, he says, I won't leave you alone. I won't leave you as orphans. I'll come to you again. I'm going to pray the Father, and he's going to send you a spirit in my name, a Holy Spirit, whom the world doesn't see. They, doesn't know, they don't know him. But you know him says to his disciples, because he's with you, but I'm going to make it so he's not just with you. He's going to be in you. I'm going to come to you again. First Corinthians 15 says that first Adam became a living being or a living soul, but the last Adam, Jesus, became a life-giving spirit. On earth, he was the son of man, but he rose into heaven. He's seated at the right hand of the Father in the form of, of the body of Christ, and he came to those who eagerly wait for him again a second time unto salvation. I'm going to propose that I'm living in both a first and second coming reality of Jesus. Now, is there a, a moment? I'm not waiting for the culmination of the event in the future. I'm not even calling out for that event. I'm calling out for the constant event. I'm calling out to experience, okay, I'm so glad that the cross gave me my judgment so I could die and live. Romans 5 says I'm justified to live because of that. But I'm also, I'm more glad, I'm rejoicing more that this morning I feel his presence, I know his presence in this room, in this room, in my life. He's, he's saving me. He's saving me. He keeps saving me. He keeps saving me. He keeps touching me. My body gets sick and he comes and he touches me with salvation. My mind gets confused and he comes and he touches me with salvation. He comes to me again and again and again for those who eagerly wait for him. You see, the ten virgins, the ones who had oil in their, in their vessels, the ones who had oil in their lamp and oil in their vessels were those who knew they were waiting for him. Not for something to just suddenly happen, but to something to constantly suddenly happen. I'm telling you, this year he's coming in his salvation. Jesus is coming in his salvation. So we got to be joined to him. We got to be joined to one another. We got to be filled with oil. We got to get these fires that I prayed on. The fire of being loved, the fire of loving, the fire of responding, the fire of giving life, the fire of being life, the fire of community, the fire of purpose and destiny. Be the fire. Be the fire. Be filled with oil. Be filled with oil. And then you're going to disciple the world. In this same chapter of Matthew 25, I'm going to go to verse 37 through 40. Some amazing verses here. It says, Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. 
Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Jesus is the man before he ascended into heaven. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Listen up, devil. All authority, not on behalf of God, but on behalf of man. On behalf of man, on behalf of every man, every woman, every child in this room right now. Every man, every woman that's watching online right now. Jesus says, listen up. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me as a man, as a body of Christ. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. In this chapter of Matthew 25, some get in and they don't know how they get in. Wait a minute, when did we do it to you? We don't even know your name, Jesus. I wonder if discipling the nations is not being those who do know the name of Jesus, but then we set an example of how Jesus loves. And maybe we inspire a few that don't quite figure it out in this world, but somehow there's an open door of God's love to reach them because we discipled them to be like Christ because we manifested as the body of Christ. We discipled the nation, the city of Deming. We discipled the nations to be like God. So much so that some will say, when did we do it to you? <laughs> he says, go and make disciples of all nations. Don't just make converts. Make disciples of all nations. Submerge them into the identity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them as I taught you. How did Jesus teach the disciples? Well, he had a few barbecues where they cooked a few goats. We cooked a pig. I don't think Jesus cooked a pig, but I think he made it okay. But I think he, he got the disciples together to do some things together. <laughs> and they, they ate together. They walked down the road together. They played together. They experienced life together. And he demonstrated to them. He was the only body of Christ, by the way, among the boys. And he demonstrated to them what the body of Christ looks like, smells like, sounds like. He was so much the body of Christ, sinners like to be around him. He was so much the body of the one who doesn't need anything. He was so much the body of the one who gives life, breath, and all things. He was so much that sinners like to hang around him. Now, they couldn't inspire him to sin. And very often, they ended up getting around him and tears streamed their cheeks. Very often, they got around him and demons came out of him. They got around him and their diseases got healed. But they got around him because they wanted to be around him. You know, nobody wants to be around the body of death. Nobody wants to be around the body of religion. And by the way, Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is not a belief system. Christianity is a faith. It's a faith. Buddhism is a, is, a, is a belief. It's a religion. Hinduism is a religion. Shamanism, a religion. Only one is a faith, and faith comes by hearing God in your heart. Not just by hearing any God. Because faith creates. Faith forms worlds. Faith transforms terrible things into wonderful testimonies of life. That's what faith does. It's the substance of things hoped for. So faith comes by responding in your heart to the one who loves you. Jesus was the only body of faith, but he came to make it so that we would be the body of faith. So let me just define this. Feed the hungry. You know, it's good to give food to those who are hungry. But let me ask you, who are the hungry in your world? 
Who's hungry? Who wants what you have? I mean, don't go cramming food down somebody that doesn't want what you have. But do you have eyes to recognize the hungry in your world? It's easy to say, well, it's the poor. Well, maybe not. Who are the hungry in your world? <laughs> I'm a blessed man because I get to travel to places where I find the hungry in my world. <laughs> you're a blessed man. You're a blessed woman because you live in a world where the hungry are looking for you. And then you give a drink to the thirsty. Who are the thirsty in your world? Jesus said, if anybody's thirsty, ha, let him come to me and drink. And from inside of you will flow rivers of life-giving water. Okay? Who wants the life-giving water? Who do, you get, who do you make come alive? Not who comes alive onto you, but who comes alive onto Jesus when you get around them? Who comes alive onto Christ when you get around them? What kind of people do you meet with? Do little kids come alive onto Jesus when you get around them? Do old people come alive onto Jesus when you get around them? Do, do religious people come alive? To Jesus, to Christ when you get around them. Do stuffy old bitter people come alive to Christ when you get around them? I mean, what kind of water flows out of you? Who's the thirsty in your life? <laughs> Who's the hungry in your world? Who's the thirsty in your world? Okay, and then, <laughs> then they, they also make, they care for the stranger. Well, who are those who don't know what you know in your world? Who are those who are strangers? They don't know what you know. They don't see what you see. But they, they get life because you see what you see. And they come and they want to not be a stranger anymore. They want to be a part of your world. Who are those? Open the eyes of our hearts, Lord. To see the hungry, to see the thirsty, to see the stranger. We're not talking about the stranger who wants to stay a stranger. We're talking about the stranger who doesn't want to be a stranger anymore. We're talking about the hungry who wants to eat. Not just food, but eat to, to change. The thirsty who drink, who, who drink so that they can also give life. What about the naked in your world? Who are the naked? Who are those who need mercy and grace in your world? Seems to me that love covers a multitude of sins. Seems like the naked need somebody to cover them. Who are the naked in your world that need your mercy and grace? <laughs> How about visit the sick? Who are the sick that need your healing in life? Sometimes it's easy to identify somebody when they end up in the hospital. But what about somebody who's pretending they're well and they need your touch? They need your life to bring healing. You see, you are a satisfier of the hungry. You are a quencher of the thirst of the thirsty. You are the the adoption, the adopter to the stranger. You are the one who covers the, the naked. You're the one that heals the sick. What about the imprisoned? Who are the imprisoned? That's those who cannot change. They need your presence to know the love that can change them. Those in prison are those who cannot change. They're in prison. But they need you to come to them so that they can see the love that is in you and find it themselves and be freed from prison. <laughs> you know, there's a difference between a prisoner and a captive. A prisoner is somebody who went there because <laughs> they deserve to go there. And a captive is somebody who went there because somebody just took them. 
But Jesus said, you got an anointing to open the door for the prisoner. And you have an anointing to set the captive free. You don't have an anointing to set the prisoner free. But you do have an anointing to open up the door. Okay, because you see, God doesn't want thieves to simply come out of prison and then end up back again because they're thieves. He wants the door to open for them to find the path that transforms them forever so they'll never go to prison again. So I'm proposing to you that feeding the hungry, giving a drink to the thirsty, making room for the stranger, clothing the naked, visiting the sick, going to those who are imprisoned, to those who cannot come to you, is not simply the practical things that you would look at, but it's living your life to give life in all of those areas. And I think that God's favor is on you, City Life Church in Deming, to disciple this city so that even things are legislated and passed that don't simply take from others, but empower the atmosphere of your city to change. Yes. Empower the atmosphere of your city to change so that people, even who do not know God, will start doing the kind of things that God does. And they can be shocked. And they can say to Jesus, when did we do it for you? <laughs> And Jesus will say, when you did it for the least of these. And then maybe Jesus says to the least of these, good job, sons and daughters of light. Good job, body of Christ. Because this is the day the Lord has made. You ended your life so that you could enter into a day. A day that knows no end. Now, I'm going to pray for you because this is a year of prevailing. A year of unexpected glory. A year for prevailing winds to change. What didn't work before is all of a sudden going to work. Some of you need a prevailing miracle in your bodies. Some of you need a prevailing something to happen in your business or a prevailing something to happen in your marriage, in your relationship. You need an unexpected glory. Expect more. Expect more. Who needs a prevailing victory this year? Come on. All right, let's stand up a minute together. Hmm. I'm going to raise both of my hands. Father, thank you. You loved us so much that uh, you talked it out as the Godhead. You talked and expressed as the Father, as the Word, as the Spirit. You came up with a great idea. It was in your heart all along. That you made a way for us not to be merely servants of you, but you made a way for us to truly be your family, to be your offspring, to be a dwelling place of your spirit in this world. Jesus, thank you that you became one of us and moved into the neighborhood so that you could bring your judgment. And your judgment is mercy, eternal life for all who believe. You came so that we could die, yet live. So we receive your first coming. If there's anyone listening, watching in this room that hasn't received that, don't let anyone die in this world. Don't let anyone die in the last moment of this world not having received this gift of dying in you. So that the judgment that we receive is not a judgment of sin, not a judgment of law, not a judgment of our own doing or the devil's doing, but the judgment of God's heart. Mercy. And even as you 
said that it was the blood of Jesus upon that cross that justified us to live. We receive that right now. But I thank you, Jesus, that you didn't leave us as orphans. As you told your disciples, you said you were making a way that you could come to them again. You would abide in them. They would abide in you. You'd be the vine. They'd be the branches. They'd be the body of Christ as you were the body of Christ. You did it. You're doing it. And you're doing it here today. And Holy Spirit, you are not a power. You are the person God. You are here in the name that's above all other names. You're here in the name of Jesus, the name of all authority in heaven and on earth. And you are here to fill this place, to fill our hearts, to fill our lives. We are eagerly waiting for you, calling for you to come. You've come in Jesus' name as a life-giving spirit for us to be the body of Christ. Now, you know Every area in our lives, whether it's physical, emotional, financial, relational, you know, everything in our life where we need to have your prevailing testimony. Not for ourselves, but for being the body of Christ. So come now. Come now, Lord Jesus. Come. Come, Holy Spirit. The Spirit and the bride cry out for your presence to come here right now and to bring breakthroughs bring transformations for unexpected glory to come. There it is. There it is. There it is. Now, 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 now. Let it come now. Let it come now. This is the season. This is the time. And I call it open doors. Doors are opening. Doors are opening now in our families. Doors are opening in relationships. Doors are opening in physical bodies. The Cassia anointing is being released right now to heal relationships, to heal joints, to heal circulation. It's healing the body, healing the body, healing the body now. In Jesus' name. And this is a time now where what you see is going to be what we see. Come on, come on. Even in the night, dreams are coming. Focus is shifting. We're turning in your direction, seeing what you see. You're opening our eyes to the hungry in our world. You're opening our eyes to the thirsty in our world. You're opening our eyes to see the stranger that wants to be a part of our world. You're opening our eyes to be givers of mercy and grace to cover the naked. You're opening our eyes to be the healing to the sick in our world. You're opening our eyes to go to those who cannot come to us because they're in some kind of prison and to be the light of life that helps them see the door is open. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you that your anointing and your favor be upon the body of Christ. But thank you, God, that we're not just virgins we're not just ones that our lamps are burning but we are also joined to one another and that it's not just our oil but it's the oil in one another that's going to keep our fires burning let us grow in knowing the fire of being loved the fire of loving you the fire of responding to you the fire of giving life to others the fire of being life or who we are in you, the fire of community and the fire of purpose and destiny. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Give him honor. Give him glory. He's worthy. Amen.